I'm your host, Alexander Hefner, and you're listening to the audio podcast of The Open Mind. I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. Our guest today exposes the dis and misinformation, the scams, hucksters, and deceit across the web, especially on health, social, and political matters. A former staffer with the Burlington Public Library, this librarian turned senior researcher has reported for the Daily Beast and is now a national reporter for NBC News. As David Beard writes of Brandy Zadrozny, She's one of several news librarians and researchers who've made a huge difference on big stories, and journalism is grateful. Thank you for your important work. It's a pleasure to host you. We really wanted to focus on health concerns and the proliferation of conspiracy theory and and real concern about um, people's ability to handle crisis situations online and, and what that might forebode in terms of our human capacity to to deal with um, health-related crises. The first is coronavirus. In the um, immediate aftermath of of the virus, there was very little reliable information coming out of China, and we saw an explosion of of victims, fatalities, and um, those who were very critically ill. And in that void, we saw a lot of... um, conspiracy theory, but you in particular um, have been tracking that, and I just wanted you to give our viewers a a holistic view of what's going on with with the coronavirus in reality and then in online where the mythology and fantasy sometimes take over. Sure. So in reality, there is a coronavirus that has um, sort of swept across China, started in Wuhan. And um, now it's traveled to several other countries. It's gotten to um, the United States. And, and people are sick. And some um, mostly older people are dying. Um, it's, it's scary. There are thousands of cases. It's really, it's really moving. Um, but we don't really know why. We don't know why for a lot of reasons. We don't know why because maybe China has a history of not really um, releasing things that might be politically embarrassing. Um, it, we don't know why because um, it, epidemiology is hard, right? It's, it's difficult, scientific, messy work sometimes. So we have a flood of scientists doing work right now to sort of find the, where it originated um, and find a vaccine. So in that space, there's lots of questions, right? Fair questions. Um, But when we have a situation where there are lots of questions and not a lot of answers and there are real stakes, right? People's lives are on the line. um, It's scary. So you have a scary situation dealing with uh, countries that have been, you know, normally uh, pretty secretive, and um, and it deals with health and science and things that people don't really understand. So when you have a vacuum of information like this, you know, there are going to be people that rush to fill that vacuum. It's not always um, for you know dastardly purposes, but just you want answers, you know. And you know, when when you start looking for or when you start trying to answer questions like that, sometimes the answers aren't always right. Um, So what has popped up in the online space and offline too, because I talk to people all the time and I hear this in real life, is uh, just a host of, you know, crazy conspiracies um, that sometimes have a seed of truth, sometimes don't. They're pushed by um, 
a couple of classifications of people. I would say one is um, medical disinformation agents that want to sell you something, maybe a gas mask, maybe a uh, supplement, maybe vitamin C that they say will uh, cure your coronavirus, maybe a dangerous type of bleach that's being sold um, for this purpose on Facebook right now. So that's, you have those guys. And then you have um, political ideologues that want to sell you maybe an anti-China message, that want to increase your distrust of um, China. Even, so we have Senator Tom Cotton, um, who sort of made the rounds on Fox News and other places, just asking, asking questions. Maybe the virus developed in a research facility in Wuhan. What could be the purpose of that? And the implication is he's, <laughs> what he's doing is he's dog whistling these um, online articles that have been claiming that the Wuhan virus escaped or was released as some sort of biomedical weapon to the Chinese people for population control. Maybe the Americans engineered it. There's all these splinter conspiracies that come off of this, but those are the main ones. And then you have the clout chasers that um, just sort of it could be anything, really. Coronavirus just happens to have a very long tail. So they've come because they have Instagram accounts that they want to get lots of likes and followers for. The most popular coronavirus um, video on Instagram had millions of views, like 42 million views or something. And it was like a guy eating a bat and mice. So that sort of spreads xenophobia. It gets people to like be shocked. And that's what shocking content really moves online. So this guy, he was a, he, uh, was a, a penny stock guy. He's not a doctor, not any sort of expert on coronavirus, but he was the, he, his video was the video that everybody saw. So those are the main people that are sort of leaping on to this virus and spreading them the worst of it. It comes in a climate where um, anti-vaxxers on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook have made huge inroads in, in attempting to persuade people that uh, vaccinations uh, will kill their children. And so it, it, it's in this climate, too, of distrust within the American um, information ecosystem. But did it make it more difficult, and does it make it more difficult, because we see China reporting thousands of, um, now thousands of deceased people, but certainly tens of thousands of critically ill people, and that is a, a country that doesn't have an open web. So what's filling our knowledge base is the combination of a propaganda machine in China that may or may not be telling the truth, and then anything else we can kind of fish out. And like you're saying, there are also really important scientists on Twitter who are, who are constantly sharing scholarly, uh, scholarly work. And, and a lot of the European and American doctors have what we could consider trusted um, Twitter handles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and a, a trusted social media presence. But does that particular situation of, of China and the lack of an open web there complicate this further? Oh, it's super complicated yeah. just for that reason, yeah. And, and, I mean, the basis of any good conspiracy is a seed of truth, right? right. So we're not getting a lot of information out of there. And we saw how, you know, China famously dealt with the SARS epidemic, which was not being completely open and honest about when it originated, how fast it was spreading. So, so yes, and that complicates things. It also, you know, it complicates things even further, not having an open web and not, and being, um, having such a hold on information that they do that it's almost like, 
it's almost like a game, right? In, in terms of research, or people who are researching themselves right. are really looking to find information. And, and because you're looking for that information, because it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a riddle, it's a quest, um, it's been locked down, so our, 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 just, our natural inclination is to find it, find there what's in hiding. Brandy, there doesn't seem to be any conspiracy or question about the fact that over 100 million people are on quarantine at this moment as of our recording. And that, that's something that might be exaggerated or hyperbolized in the past. But that is unprecedented that in the midst of this, you have tens of millions of people who have been uh, relegated to their homes. And, uh, and, and also, we should believe that because China is saying that, but also because their travel policies that have been amended to try to stop the spread of the of the disease but i guess that that is a stunning figure which if true is something that you might think is a conspiracy but is not is fact 100 million people plus under home quarantine sometimes truth is stranger yeah. than fiction right. right i mean the things again i, I we're talking about anti-vaxxers or we're talking about people who distrust the medical community what you often see them using to fuel a conspiracy theory that has no basis in fact that we know of are real things that has have happened, right? Medical mistakes, mishaps, you know, um, Tuskegee, like you have these, these things that have happened in the world and but they're repurposing truthful things that have been reported by mainstream media to make you believe in this uh, insanity. And, and yeah. So in, the, in, in this particular instance, Senator Cotton pointed to, and others pointed to, and you got into a little tit for tat on, on social media with him and his <laughs> chief of staff or one of his staffers, correctly pointing out that you, know, you, you shouldn't make a suggestion of a bioweapon when there's no evidence of that. But interestingly in this case, there's also no evidence yet of an intermediary source because typically with SARS or MERS originally, and this is sort of SARS 2.0, which is why it's so frightening, there have been identified by scientists these intermediary hosts if it's if in fact whether at a market or elsewhere it's being transported from bat to in the case of MERS camel to human and the Chinese while they give this list of deaths that just keep popping up and popping up there's there's no, at this particular moment there's no evidence um, with with any certainty other than there there is RNA that relates to bat it has uh, common features of bat viruses, but there is no evidence of that um, particular link to how it got to a human because in almost every circumstance it would have to have an intermediary source. Um, and the absence of that led Senator Cotton and others to say, oh, here are two facilities that study MERS and SARS and uh, coronaviruses and uh, is it possible what he's suggesting in sort of more uh, believable or, or let, let's say, in, in more responsible languages, could there have been a contaminant? Uh, um, what you're saying is he is, as someone who prides himself on foreign policy credentials, making a suggestion of, of sort of a, an innuendo that the Chinese are not to be trusted and there was a bioweapon uh, but more realistically, this is something that ought to be considered as, you know, con a, a potential contaminant from research based on the transmissibility of this. A spec could have gotten on someone who was studying it in a lab and it could have originated that way and not at a market. 
So the absence of knowing the intermediary host, I suppose, has generated some alternative theories. Sure. Another one is that Bill and Melinda Gates have um, released it and had a patent for it as a form of population control. I mean, you can pick anything to fit your narrative, right? So Senator Cotton has his anti-China, China hawk narrative. Right. And the anti-vaxxers have their um, Bill Gates narrative. And anything can fit in there because there, there's an open question. And it's, again, it's fine to ask those questions, but as someone who tracks this, you know, I, I, it, this paper that came out. Yeah, please ResearchGate. tell us, tell so, us about this. So this paper came out on ResearchGate. Um, it was from a couple of, of um, scientists, and they haven't spoken to media. We don't. Again, this is a whole other conspiracy because they released this paper that said, okay, you know, what if basic? The basic idea was, what if uh, it was from a bat, which we don't know yet, right? More recent research has suggested possibly snakes. So, what if it, if it did come from a bat? Then, what if this lab who had worked that had worked with bats? What if some sort of unsafe handling had caused it to leak, and then that's how we have that's right. how it came. Um, this paper. It wasn't very good. I mean, other scientists have jumped on. It wasn't, um, it didn't go through peer review. It didn't have time. This research is coming out so quickly. So other scientists left on to the paper immediately and said, this is really just um, circumstantial. You're, you're just guessing, basically. Right. Um, and then it was taken down by the author, ResearchGate told me. So it was taken down by the author, and then he deleted his account. Right. And this was supposedly written by two Chinese scientists in a Beijing-funded uh, university. Yes. And, yeah. and the one th piece of innuendo, if you will, that was tracked, I think, in this report was the suggestion, or, and, and again, there's no verifiable fact here, it was a suggestion and then no evidentiary basis of this, um, that uh, a lab official was bitten, mm. right, and that as a result of not taking proper precautions. That was a theory too. Right. Yeah. So the, everyone is theorizing and, and Twitter of course is, is no sane ground for building anything, anything or <laughs> building an evidence-based uh, approach to learning about this. But you know the, the, the fact is that um, in, in a climate absent trust uh, we're going to have a hard time in, in real life um, responding to crises. So I don't know what can what can we learn as Americans in the aftermath in the in the ongoing epidemic or pandemic of coronavirus so that you know in this instance or other instances we can safeguard our information in, in a way that is going to be uh, more uh, helpful to resolving um, an outbreak or an election malfunction or whatever it might be. Is there anything we, we can learn from what's transpired in these last couple months? Um, ever the librarian, I believe that yes, people can always learn. Uh, <laughs> we, we think of this space and Claire Wardell at uh, First Draft and Whitney Phillips or uh, Syracuse are two of my heroes as um, information pollution, right? And so when you have a polluted environment, there are really two sets of actors who can make it better. You have um, the institutional reaction. So if you have a dirty factory, that factory cleans it up, right? So that's where we're hoping that Facebook and Twitter, who all met with the WHO last week and really made some real efforts to, to sort of get on the same page and work together to, to quell the misinformation that was rampant on the platforms. 
So you have that. But then you also have personal responsibility, right? So I recycle. I you know, don't litter, those sorts of things. And I think that that's true for information pollution too. So you hopefully, we, we all have a responsibility to get our news on something that's so important from trusted news outlets, from you know, peer review papers, from places like The Lancet, from the World Health Organization, that all have, have done a really good job, especially now, sort of getting up to speed on the, um, the way information spreads on social media. So they have you know, debunking websites now, they have trackers where you can get that, that bit of information that we're so hungry for. We wanna know, right? It's serious and we wanna know what that is. So they've done a really good job sort of doing that and it's up to us to not feed into the junk food diet of Facebook and Twitter and conspiracy sites and, and look for those, for those real um, sources of information. And together, those two working hand in hand, um, I, I, I think we can do it. In combating the anti-vax folks on these sites, had there also been some advances to deafen or at least uh, dampen um, the proliferation of uh, unscientific um, or anti-science on, uh, on these sites. The anti-vax community is very different than something like coronavirus, right? Because um, coronavirus is a new phenomenon, it's a news event, people are following and, and for that specific mm -hmm. point in time, and it will be gone, you know, we hope, soon. Right. But anti-vax, you know, as long as there's been vaccines, there's been an anti-vaccine coalition, right? What happened with Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter and some other places was it created um, meeting places for them to organize, fundraise, um, and grow. And they've grown. Um, Facebook is probably the worst of it, I would say. They've created these groups which are you know, private spaces for hundreds of thousands of people to collectively meet and scare the bejesus out of each other, and a couple of profiteers to run it who have fake stories of dead children, and it's heartbreaking, it's harmful. Um, and the steps that Facebook has taken that have been really great with coronavirus put a pop-up that says vaccines right. are fine, and here's the CDC. That's not gonna work for a cult. Like, Facebook has helped engineer and organize a cult around anti-vaccination and, and a business around it for, for several people. And now it's saying, well, we'll put a link up at the top that says go to the CDC. That, what is that gonna do? So there's <laughs> been no stoppage in the monetization of dis and misinformation around I mean, the, vaccinations. The worst, the worst, and the worst among them is this guy out of California. He's not a doctor. He's not even a parent. And he has this website called Stop Mandatory Vaccination, which he promotes endlessly on Facebook. He does lives. He sells supplements. Um, it's still operating, even though it's clear what he's doing is spreading misinformation. Facebook says that they're going to stop that. His group remains. I don't... I've talked with... I don't know, dozens of Facebook employees, and that's always the first question I ask. How, 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 how can you claim to stop misinformation around vaccines, and then you allow this group to, to exist and to thrive? I mean, they put him down lower, so maybe he's not in your newsfeed, but it still does pop up. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. So it's baby steps. Right. I wouldn't say nothing, you know, something, but baby steps. A lot of these folks wanna, wanna bring their own children into the conversation as the evidence, and, and is that still the case? Yeah, so that's what, that's what the whole, I, um, 
stories are what is the coin of the realm, right? It's, and because who wants to call a mother of, of an injured child, vaccine or other, a liar, right. you know? And that's why I think it's really important to put these people into groups. And I would say 99.9% of the people in these groups, even some of them running their own groups, are, are there because they care about their children and they think they've been sold a bill of goods for an unanswerable question. Why is my child autistic? I have an autistic son. I've asked myself that question and sometimes there just isn't an answer, but I understand the desire to want to be able to answer that and to do the best for your children. Now, the 0.1% of people like the guy in California and um, you know, a lady that's in the UK right now selling bleach and a doctor, a, a naturopathic doctor in Canada that's busing kids down to Mexico to give them an unapproved fecal stool injection. Those are all swarming online and, and those are the people that I think, um, I don't want to finish that thought. I think that Facebook and, and, and social media companies can do something about protecting the, their, their own, their members, their users from the misinformation and disinformation that these peddlers spread. Is that why it may be harder than the political manipulation ultimately even and coronavirus to tackle this issue because of the human and parental story? Yeah, again, you can't, I, I, I can't argue, you, you can't, facts, facts don't matter when you're sitting across from a mother right. and, and her child, like, it doesn't matter to that mother. So has Facebook attempted to intervene in a way that is sensitive to their needs at the same time trying to correct the problem at scale. That's specifically what they don't want to be in the business of arbiting, right? Like they don't want to be arbiters of truth and they specifically don't want to be the person that's going to say this story is false and this right. story is real. And people can tell their stories and what they think happened to, you know, you're allowed to do that. But the problem is you don't create a pedestal and say, come here and do it all together and buy this guy's product, which if you're allowing them to, to be, you're in, a, you're in effect, you're hosting that person. You're saying that this is all right with me. Same thing, the Amazon storefronts that these hucksters have. They all send out newsletters and say, come to my Amazon storefront where they sell anti-vax books and, and supplements. And then Amazon gets a cut and these guys get a cut and it's all, they all work together so nicely. That's easy to stop. This is so easy to stop. I, my yeah, brain does I, not wrap around it. I mean, what percent of the group activity is in this area of uh, uh, deep wounded conspiracy nuttiness? I mean, I think there's, a, there's hundreds of millions of groups right now on Facebook. So it doesn't even really matter and what some, percentage of yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, if I give you a glass of water and yeah. I put a tiny bit of poison in it right. and I say, it's, it's mostly yeah. water, that's not good enough, right? right? Like this isn't good enough for a bajillion dollar company yeah. that runs our lives and wants to be the stewards of all of our relationships, our connections, our politics, our news, our health, right. our money. <laughs> for sure, and, and of course it was Mark Zuckerberg in the run up to the 2016 campaign who said his New Year's resolution that year was to visit every state. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was supposed to be sensitive to all these people and places he hasn't been. And everything that's transpired since then has been uh, just the complete opposite. Mark Zuckerberg has reportedly said that he is a wartime CEO right now and he's operating as such. 
um, they continue to, to circle the wagons and um, close any window into what's happening in the company. So Facebook, it's a sort of a lost cause for me. I mean, yeah. journalists are working as unpaid content moderators. Right. They have fact-checking organizations, which are great, from PolitiFact to you know Lead Stories, which has this really cool thing called the Trendalyzer. But even that, it's so it's so slow when you when you outsource all of your responsibility, and then there are like processes, and it, it take like the, the stuff that was spreading around the Iowa caucuses, the disinformation. Right. It took eight hours for them to do anything about it once it got through fact-checkers, and by that point the lies out. George Soros has said Zuckerberg explicitly made a deal with the devil, not just with Trump, but with his refusal to be the arbiter of real information. Um, but do you buy the, the Soros idea that uh, in effect Zuckerberg has sold out to these entities, whether it's on health or politics, um, that are going to bring home the bacon, uh, but that are going to uh, misinform and disinform a lot of people. Has he made that deal with the devil? I, 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 that seems to, to rely on some sort of belief that he had an altruistic idea for information sharing and didn't start this as some sort of hotness rating for female co-eds. Like, right. we can't, he, he likes to reinvent that story, but that's where it started and this is where we are. And I think if you look at the trajectory, it doesn't breed much hope. Hopeful, hopeless, some middle ground. My Randy. hope is with people. I know. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to you in the audience. I hope you join us again next time for a thoughtful excursion into the world of ideas. Until then, keep an open mind. Please visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash openmind to view this program online or to access over 1,500 other interviews. And do check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Open Mind TV for updates on future programming. Continuing production of The Open Mind has been made possible by grants from Ann Olnick, Joan Gans Cooney, Lawrence B. Benenson, the Engelson Family Foundation, Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, Joanne and Kenneth Wellner Foundation, and from the corporate community, Mutual of America.